You're listening to the Fertility Academy Podcast, Episode 20. Today in the solo episode, I'm going to talk all about relationships in the context of fertility challenges, so stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me today. We're going to talk about relationships and how fertility challenges can impact relationships. Firstly, I want to clarify that the relationship I'm specifically talking about today is the one between the two people who are looking to have a child together. Fertility and fertility challenges can present in a lot of ways, in a lot of different types of relationships. There's the relationship with the person that you're intending to parent with, There's also the relationship that you have with your family or friends and how all of those people are bringing their own unique set of beliefs and opinions into the situation, whether it's asked for or not. There's the relationship you have with your other children, the relationship that you have with your medical provider. Maybe you're using a surrogate or donor and there's a relationship to manage there and the list goes on. So although this conversation might be able to apply to other relationships, I want to talk about the one you have with your partner, spouse, or person that you're attending to parent with today. In my 10 years of clinical practice, I've seen so many couples go through fertility challenges, probably thousands at this point. And there are a few common scenarios that I see over and over again between the person who is looking to get pregnant and the person who is not looking to get pregnant. People talk about mother and father and eggs and sperm, but I think it's important to acknowledge that there are lots of ways to build a family and the two co-parents aren't always the ones providing the eggs and the sperm. But for today's purposes, I'm going to assume that one of the partners looking to get pregnant. And so I'll refer to one partner as the partner looking to get pregnant and the other partner as the supportive partner, even though we know that the supportive partner does so much more than provide support. If that partner is providing sperm, for example, that's 50% of the genetic equation of the child. So back to these common scenarios. Keeping in mind that the burden of medical care and preparation falls almost entirely on the person looking to get pregnant. Scenario one, the partners show up as a united front. They both want to take an active role and fair share of the responsibility. They both want to get treatment and help their bodies get as healthy as possible, regardless of their method of conception, be it via conventional means or through IVF. Both partners go to every doctor's appointment, every consultation, and they're both included in the the decision-making process. Scenario two, the person who's looking to get pregnant carries the weight of the process on their shoulders. They are the only ones showing up and doing all the things. They're making all of the health changes, taking all the supplements, showing up for acupuncture, asking questions, advocating for their own treatment process, and so much more. The supportive partner is not supportive at all. 
They're often unwilling to make any health changes or attend appointments or make decisions together or accept any responsibility for their very important role in building their family. And unfortunately, if things take an unexpected turn in the fertility process, they're often unwilling to look at their potential contribution. For example, there have been so many times when a pregnancy has resulted in a miscarriage and the partner with the sperm isn't interested in looking at improving their own health even though sperm abnormalities are often implicated in miscarriage. I think this speaks to a larger cultural dynamic, that so much of the burden of parenthood is put on the partner who carries the child, and it starts with conception in many cases. So these two scenarios are both fairly extreme. Most couples fall somewhere in the middle, and this isn't meant to blame or shame anyone. It's important to acknowledge that there are so many influences that contribute to the dynamic between a couple, especially when facing adversity. Cultural conditioning, their own upbringing and values demonstrated by their own parents, past trauma, their own internal dialogue of thoughts and their feelings all come into play here. So today, I want to speak to the people whose partners aren't coming to the table in the way that they would like. There are a few things I want to touch on today that might be helpful in navigating this process. There are small shifts in thinking and don't involve spending hours sitting in a therapist's office. Although I will say that for a lot of people, therapy is life-changing, relationship-saving, and absolutely what they need. I refer a lot of couples to therapy. It's a very important tool in this process for some people. But today, I want to give you a few little thought nuggets to chew on. The first thing that I want to talk about is that the only person's actions that you can ultimately control are your own. I've seen this so many times in my clinical practice. The person who wants to get pregnant is often so overwhelmed by the lack of control that infertility can illuminate that they try to gain control by controlling their partner. You might remember my conversation with Nikki Bergen back in episode six, where she talked about her expectations doing IVF due to male factor infertility, and she became obsessed with her husband's behavior, micromanaging everything he ate and drank. She talked about being so angry when he decided to have a beer every now and again. If you want to listen to that episode in full, I'll link it in the show notes. So here's the thing. Both you and your partner are adults and both of you have free will. And the only person's behavior and actions that you can control are your own. You are wasting precious time, energy, and mental capacity agonizing over your partner's choices that, let's be honest, most of the time aren't being made out of ignorance. Most people know that drinking a beer isn't going to help you get healthier. But your partner is making that choice for their own reasons. The beer is more about their own comfort and stress relief in a lot of cases. Maybe they're trying to be strong for you and are having the occasional beer to take the edge off or have a little bit of pleasure in an otherwise really stressful situation. I think it's way more interesting and a better use of your time and energy to be genuinely and sincerely curious about where your partner's coming from. If your partner refuses to attend doctor's appointments with you, why not be sincerely curious about why? Why not ask about it without judgment or agenda? The answer might actually surprise you. What would it be like if you spent all of your time and energy you've been using to micromanage your partner and to be angry at them to consider and put into action some things that will feed and nourish you, that will help relax your nervous system? Because at the end of the day, the only person's actions and decisions you are ultimately responsible for are your own.
The next thing I want to touch on is expectations. And I think this can apply in many different relationships, not just the one you have with your partner. When I think about expectations in relationships, I like to think about a concept by Brooke Castillo, whose podcast is amazing if you want to go deeper with this kind of work. I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. She talks about the manual. When it comes to our partners, we have a manual for how we think this person should behave and react in every scenario. We have a list of requirements that we expect our partner to carry out in order to be considered a good partner who loves us, which is ultimately a reflection of their investment in the relationship and our love for us, at least inside of our own brains. That's how we see it. For example, a patient of mine was doing IVF and her first cycle failed. She got the call in the afternoon to tell her that the test was negative and texted her partner who was at work. This was before COVID when we all didn't work from home. Her partner texted back and said, I'm sorry, I love you. Do you need anything? And my partner replied, no, I'm okay. Then she went on to spend the rest of the afternoon feeling upset that her partner didn't offer to come home from work and comfort her. She felt lonely and isolated and that her partner didn't love her. And worse, that he was actually thinking of leaving her because she wasn't able to get pregnant. She came in for acupuncture the next day and we talked about it a little. She was so upset about what happened the previous day. My first question was, well, did you ask him to come home and be with you? And lo and behold, according to her manual, it was just what a good partner does in a situation like this, that she shouldn't have to ask, that if he knew her well and loved her, he should have known what to do in that situation automatically, despite the fact that she literally told him she didn't need anything and that she was fine. Because he didn't magically read her mind, she made it mean that he didn't love her and he was thinking of leaving her. Now, that's a pretty dramatic example of how we spin out in ourselves, but it's interesting to consider. Is the reason why your partner isn't attending every appointment with you simply because you didn't make it clear that you wanted and needed that? So many times I've attended embryo transfers to provide acupuncture and the partner wasn't there. My patient is clearly upset about it. And when I ask what happens, it's, oh, well, I just said, go to work. It's not like you can do anything if you're here anyway. It's interesting to observe people expecting their partners not only to know their manual intimately, but to be able to follow it to a T without ever having discussed it. Just something to think about. Ask for what you need. Ask for it clearly without judgment or agenda and see what happens. That's going to be it for me today. How did that episode sit with you? Are you interested in continuing this conversation with me? Let's set up a call to see if we could do some work together, in person or virtually. Head on over to the contact form on my website and fill it out. I'm going to pop the link in the show notes for you. I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community, 